We're back into the Card Chronicle podcast. Mike Rutherford with you here. And I know I said I wasn't going to do this consistently, but I am going to have to fly solo again today. I'm recording this from my basement with the baby monitor right next to me, praying to whatever deity overseas podcast that my daughter is not going to wake up at some point in the next 20 to 25 minutes. Um, the reason why we're having trouble kind of coordinating me getting on with Danny or with Keith Wynn or with some of these other guests, it's, it's all me. I mentioned this last pod, but with my wife working in the medical field and with everything going on and us not having in-home care or anything like that anymore, I'm basically playing dad every single day now. And it's, I've seen the, it's almost become a cliche, everybody saying, I have a newfound respect for what my teachers, my kids' teachers do and all this stuff. I have a newfound respect for what stay-at-home moms and dads do or what in-home care people do. It's just, like I, during college basketball season, will get up, usually around like nine o'clock, I'll sleep from like three to nine, do some writing, do some editing, do the college basketball work. I used to go to the radio show from three to six, RIP. And then when I would get home, I would just be exhausted. And then you're covering games at at night. My exhaustion level at like five o'clock now, when my wife gets off um, from her job and we go on our our family walk, which we now look forward to, like we're dogs. It's, it's 10 times worse than it was with just the standard work. I, I don't know how people do this. And she, is she, my daughter's an angel. I love her, but my God, the, the girl just is in constant demand of something that I can't give her. Just constant stimulation. She's dropping something. She wants to pick it up. She's screaming bloody murder. And she also sleeps terribly for a, a seven-month-old. She's in a little bit of a sleep regression deal. Most babies at this age are, are sleeping somewhat through the night and then taking hour and a half, two-hour naps, a couple of those. Virginia does none of that. Like she still She'll have... She's had three nights off and on the last month where out of nowhere, she sleeps through the night beautifully. She takes a couple of hour and a half naps during the day and she's good to go. And a couple of days ago was supposed to be one of those days. She had a great night's sleep. She slept for an hour and a half. And then her second nap, she got up after about 35 minutes. And I swear, I, I thought I was going to cry. Like it, I had stuff I had to get done. I needed that little break. And when she when she gets up before you're expecting it, it's just the worst feeling in the entire world. But Look, I don't don't mean to complain. We're still doing a, a better than than so many people out there. And if you're listening to this, hopefully you're staying safe. Hopefully your entire family's staying safe, and you guys are staying in as much as possible. But it is going to be me solo here. It's going to be a short episode because it has to be. This girl's going to wake up in no time. So I'll talk a little bit about the uh, the recent developments with U of L athletics. Talk a, a little bit of some of the questions I didn't get to that you guys submitted last week um, that I didn't get a chance to touch on in the last pod. I want to remind you guys, if you haven't yet subscribed to the pod, please do so wherever you find podcasts. Last episode, I had a coughing fit that I had to cut. It's it's hilarious. I've got the the audio. I want to play it for you guys. Here's what we're going to do. If you guys leave us three reviews on the podcast app, just three between now and next week when we do the next podcast, I'll go ahead and play that 15-second that audio because it's uh, I'm trying to fight through it, and I just can't. I played it for my wife. It's maybe the hardest I've ever seen her laugh, so it's good stuff. Let's get to, uh, I think, the biggest news between the last time we did a podcast and today, which is Louisville basketball getting a commitment from Radford grad transfer Carly Jones. He is one of the guys that we talked about in the last podcast, and I had prioritized Justin Turner of uh, Bowling Green over him, and a couple of reasons why. I I think Turner just would play off of David Johnson maybe a little bit better. I like his... Just overall game, slightly more than I like 
Carly Jones, when it comes to being an up transfer, a guy going from a mid to low major conference up to a major conference. Having said that, Carly Jones is a big, big deal for Louisville next year. He is arguably the best overall grad transfer available. He or Turner were kind of neck and neck in a lot of people's eyes. My only, my only concern, if you've watched any of the highlight films of how he plays and what he does well, his biggest asset is his ability to get to the rim and to finish at the rim. He's great at body control. He's great at switching up speeds. He's great. He has a little hesitation move that has had defenders on their toes for the last three years in the Big South Conference. My only concern is, can you do that at the ACC level in a manner that's at least close enough to the way you did it at the Big South level to make yourself uh, a viable contributor? Not, not, I mean, viable contributor is probably a, a low bar, but can you be a guy who can give you 12, 13, 14 points per game uh, at Louisville? I know he's a 20-point-per-game scorer. He's one of only, I think, two players in Division One this year to average at least 20 points, five assists, and five rebounds per game. None of us are expecting that type of stat line at UofL, but if he can be a, I don't know, 12-point-per-game scorer, 2.4 assists per game, uh, throwing four or five rebounds per game. I know he's only six foot one, but he is long. He's a, he's a good rebounder. I think Louisville fans would take that, especially when you have David Johnson, Samuel Williamson, Malik Williams, potentially Jay Scrub, all in that starting lineup as well. So I, I think he's a good accent for, for what Chris Mack wants to do in the backcourt. The only concern that I had outside of the, you know, the ability to make that jump from a small conference uh, in the Big South to a major conference and play against bigger, more athletic guards, he also, I think his biggest assets are the same assets that David Johnson has. He's a terrific finisher. He's a terrific driver. He's a fantastic passer. He and Johnson, and this is going to sound like hyperbole, but he and Johnson together may make up the best passing backcourt in the entire country next year. But are they too similar? Um, can they play well off of one another? One, I know that Johnson's six foot five and that uh, Jones is six foot one, but I don't know. I mean, when you have two guys that do the same stuff, it just they're gonna have to figure out a way to make that work. The one other thing that you'll say about Carly Jones, he shot forty percent from three last year. Hopefully, that wasn't an outlier uh, because he was just a career, I think, twenty six percent three point shooter going into last season. And I think if you watch the, if you watch any of the film from him last year, and I think they have the, if you go to YouTube, the one full Radford game that's on there is, besides the NCAA tournament game from a couple of years ago, is their Big South semifinal loss to Hampton um, from this past season. He's he's a good shooter. He's a good enough shooter, but he's kind of like Kristen Cunningham in that I don't know if he can be a contested shot, quick release, Ryan McMahon, Jordan Wara type three point shooter, a guy who can you know, hit a 25-footer with a hand in his face. He kind of needs to be set. He needs to have um, some space between him and the nearest defender to knock down that shot at a, at a fairly high clip. And hopefully having weapons around him like Johnson and like Williamson will give him that space to, to necessary. But he's a he's a good mid-range shooter. He's a he's a 81% free throw shooter. He got to the line fairly frequently at Radford. Again, that's another one of those things that how well does that translate to the ACC level? Who knows? But this is a it's a big time addition to solidify that backcourt. Louisville needed depth at that position after Darius Perry chose to transfer, and getting Carlick Jones is a big time deal. He, I saw that he talked with both uh, Daniel Lerner of the Athletic and Lucas Albach of the the Courier Journal, and he said kind of the same things. He said, "Look, I, I told you on this podcast last week before he signed that one of the things that stands out about him is he is he is swaggy as hell. Like he, he talks shit. He likes getting the crowd involved." And he's kind of said all that in both those interviews. He said, you know, I'm a, I'm a guy that likes to, to feed off the energy of the crowd. I'm a guy that likes to get the crowd into it. 
The other thing is he really likes having the ball in clutch situations. He has made, I think, six, uh, maybe not technically buzzer beaters, but six shots in the closing seconds of games that have either tied them or won them. The most notable, probably the uh, the Big South title game two years ago, where he beat Liberty at the buzzer. Another reason to love him. Um, that was that was Bahita clutch shot to tie the game against Texas a couple of years ago in a game that they eventually won. He hit two shots. It won at the end of regulation this year to uh, to tie a game in the Big South, and then he had another one at the buzzer in overtime to win that same game. So he likes that situation. Um, I, I'm I'm excited about him. I think he is the type of just competitor and experienced competitor that this group's going to need. Like I said, there are a couple of small concerns, but the, the positives far, far outweigh the negatives here. So good to see Chris Mack go and get that guy, especially when fans were getting a little bit edgy that uh, no grad transfers had committed to Louisville just yet. As far as what they do with the remaining scholarships that they have, Mack met with the media in a teleconference earlier this week, and he confirmed what a lot of people thought was the case, which is, there are technically two scholarships available for next season. Assuming Jay Scrub does come to Louisville, he's only going to use one of them because they still have to give one back to the NCAA per the violations, the uh, the punishments from the Katina Powell thing from a few years ago. So we're going to be a 12 scholarship team next season. And as you might expect, Mac wants to use that scholarship on a front court player. Louisville's going to have to replace, uh, you know, they're replacing Stephen Enoch, they're replacing Dwayne Sutton, they're replacing Jordan Wara. Not just a lot of scoring, but a significant chunk of rebounding. The biggest name that has emerged, um, and it's another guy that we talked about in the last podcast, uh, Matthias Matheson from Loyola Marymount, who's a seven foot three guy, native of Sweden. He averaged, I think, somewhere, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, I think he was like a 10.6 point per game score and 6.3 rebounds, somewhere in that range. But that was a couple of seasons ago. He didn't actually play in 2019 20. He went ahead and redshirted the season. His mother passed away suddenly. And he chose to go ahead and just sit out the entire year and, and, and grieve and you know, get his legs back underneath him, so to speak. So he's a he has graduated. He's eligible immediately. He'll come here. If he does come to Louisville, he'll go ahead and play right away. He's down to four schools. Louisville is one of them. Uh, it's Louisville, Minnesota, San Diego State, and then Loyola Marymount. He still has them on his list, potentially staying uh, in, the, in that same spot for another year. Loyola Marymount does have a new head coach. Uh, they fired Stan Johnson after last season, so maybe that's something that's alluring for him. We'll see. The one other guy that people have been talking about, it's actually a, a really similar player. Seven-foot-three guy uh, from Purdue, Matt Harms, also known as the dude who's always constantly touching his hair. Harms has heard from every major conference program across the country pretty much. And a lot of people think it's going to come down to Kentucky or Gonzaga. And it's understandable why maybe he would look at those schools. Gonzaga is going to have to replace Philip Petrusev. They need a starting center. Um, Kentucky's going to have to replace at least Nick Richards, maybe EJ Montgomery too. If he stays in the draft, they would be in need for a starting center. Even if Montgomery stays, Harms is probably a better option for them to start right off the bat. So um, Louisville's got Malik Williams in place. You can't guarantee Matt Harms a starting spot. I don't think that they would say Harms could come here and play the five. Williams could move over to the four. Maybe they would, but it doesn't seem to really fit Chris Mack's mold. I think it's more likely that he gets Matheson and, and uses him as a backup, but we'll see. Um, that's all going to be interesting to follow. And then, of course, there are new names entering the transfer portal every single day. Could maybe be a power forward that Chris Mack wants to get involved with, maybe another big-time center that comes becomes available at some point in the next few weeks. You just don't know at this point. The other big unknown that's looming out there, and there's, I do have kind of a small update on this front, the Jay Scrub situation continuing to develop. Jay Scrub Watch 2020 continues on with Coronavirus Watch 2020. 
last podcast, I basically said that I'm operating under the assumption that he's not going to come here based on his comments and his dad's comments from his declaration for the NBA draft last week. I can say this. The coaching staff at UofL, they're more confident than I am. And they obviously would know way more than I would. They seem to believe, you know, just kind of hearing through back channels, they think it's more likely than not that Scrub's going to come to Louisville. They're not guaranteeing anything by any stretch of the imagination. I should mention this is all via five days ago. This is all via, I guess, last Friday is when this was relayed to me. They think that it's more Scrub's dad pushing him to go to the NBA. And if you've looked at any of his comments from the past year, even all the way back in last fall, I think that that's not difficult to believe. They kind of think Scrub's dad's really pushing for this, really pushing for this, but eventually the kid... He's a smart kid. He's going to come to his senses. He's going to realize that he's not on any of these big boards. He's not in any of these mock drafts. He's not going to have a combine to show out. He's not going to have individual workouts, at least in their traditional form, to show out and make himself a first-round pick. He's going to come to his senses, and he's going to say, going to Louisville, showing what I can do for a full season uh, in college basketball, and then becoming a first-round pick next year is the proper route. So is that naive or is it foolish thinking who knows but they are still operating under the assumption that jay scrub is a very real possibility to come here next year and if he does that's a pretty pretty fucking good starting five um i know that we still have a lot of questions when it comes to depth a lot of questions when it comes to the bench but if you give me david johnson carlique jones samuel williamson jay scrub and malik williams that's a that's a really good starting five. Did I say Samuel Williams and not Williamson? Samuel Williamson uh, obviously would be plugged in at the three. The other good thing that I should uh, mention about Carly Jones coming here, with David Johnson being six foot five, Jones can play the two. I think they'll probably do the uh, like the Terry Rozier, Chris Jones thing, or Terry Rozier, Russ Smith thing when Terry was in with Russ his uh, Russ's senior year, Terry's freshman year, where they're kind of interchangeable. Doesn't really matter who picks it up. Doesn't really matter who initiates the offense. One can play the point. One can play the two. I think Mac will be fine with that. But the good thing is defensively, Carlick Jones can guard the point guard of the other team and David Johnson can pick up the two or the three. I think, I think that's going to be a really good thing for Carlick, who struggled a little bit defensively throughout his career, but maybe can can hide that slightly in this Chris Mack pack line defense. So I think that's a good development. The Jay Scrub stuff, obviously, we'll, we'll keep following that. If he doesn't come here, that opens up a second scholarship. But I think you can kind of tell with the way that Mac has, has been divvying out those scholarships, the Brandon Johnson kid from Western Michigan, they backed off him. He went ahead and committed to Minnesota. They feel like they got their guy in Jones, and they feel like they've only got one more scholarship to use, and they're going after front court guys. Now, if Scrub doesn't wind up coming, maybe they try to get in late with the guard. Maybe it's even a, a sit one, play one, or sit one, play two, transfer who can play the guard position or play the, the four position. We'll find out. Um, but I, I still feel like they think they're in relatively good shape for next year if scrub doesn't wind up coming here a lot of people have asked about who you plug in at the four the most likely names are, are jalen withers and um quinn Slazinski, who got a little bit of run I, I think it was telling at the end of the year when louisville was dealing with injuries to malik williams and they were having to play that smaller lineup sometimes where Dwayne sutton slid down to the five it was quinn who got the call to come in and play the four I, he didn't play big minutes but he was the guy that, that chris mack pointed to and say said, I, th- I think he can do this. So we'll find out. Aiden Agehan, I think he's still got a long way to go. I think probably longer than they thought he was going to have uh, when he arrived here as a freshman. But you never know. Um, I-, I think he's a guy that this 
this whole coronavirus and being quarantined and being back up in New York really hurts. He could have really used this spring and summer to get better, and maybe he still will. Maybe things will get back to normal in the next couple of months, and we'll be able to have at least a, a somewhat normal summer session here at UofL, but yeah, it's, it's hard to bank on something like that now. So we'll move on here. Tackle some of your questions from Twitter from last week that I didn't have a chance to get to in the last episode. Um, Sarah says, what is the best part of a sports-free spring for you and why? I know there has to be a silver lining, otherwise we'd all jump. I think, I mean, as much as it hit, um, as much as I was just complaining about being the you know, 90% of my day being dad slash husband and, and just doing sort of tasks around the home, having a chance to spend almost all day every day with my daughter, like there, there's a lot of positive. Like this is something that I wouldn't be able to do. Just seeing how she changes from a, a day-to-day basis, getting so excited that she picks up one little thing that she couldn't do a day before. Like that's that, that's pretty cool. And that's, you know, assuming we have more kids moving forward, that might not be something that I get a chance to experience with them. So I'll always have that with her. And that's uh, definitely been a good thing. The other thing is, I have I, I I can't do the the level of writing that I want to because there's just you know you get like this is the most amount of time that I have straight where nobody's yelling at me to do something uh, whether it's the baby or my wife or somebody else this is the only time and like I can't I, I can't really write like that I can't get in any sort of flow but what I have been able to do is watch a little bit of, of TV watch some movies that's been cool to get back into the the flow of couple of recommendations. I We watch Tiger King like everybody else. I won't do the Tiger King podcast like a billion people have done before me. But I will say What We Do in the Shadows is a movie that had been recommended to me by a lot of people that I have similar tastes with. Finally got a chance to watch that. I know it's a TV show too. I haven't started the TV show. The movie was fucking hilarious. Um, loved it. Um, if you liked uh, Jermaine Clement, who was in Flight of the Concords back in the day, he's one of the vampires. It, it, I just jumped right in there and said vampires without giving any sort of hint about what the plot is. It's sort of like a documentary about vampires, and it's uh, on its face. It doesn't sound that funny, but it's very, very funny. I've also been watching Sunderland Till I Die on Netflix, which Jeff Greer recommended to me a year and a half, maybe two years ago, and I just dismissed it because, you know, it's Greer, whatever, fuck him. It's, it's, it's riveting, and this is coming from somebody who knows very little about English soccer and how everything works. It is a very, very good sports documentary. I'm almost done with the second season. And I did love, I posted the screenshots on Twitter, but the very beginning of the first episode of the second season, these new owners are on a radio show and they're fielding questions from fans. And the first question that that a guy has is, you know, the the seats at our stadium, they used to be red, they faded to pink. What are you going to do about this? It's embarrassing for the fans. And I've never felt so connected to a fan base that's 40,000 miles away. I thought that was wonderful. Uh, Corey says, are you still listening to sports radio even though you're out of sports radio currently? I I mentioned this on the show, I think I feel like a bunch of times, and I've probably mentioned on a podcast before. I don't really listen to, to sports radio. If I have time to listen to stuff, it, it's usually, it's, not usually, it's always um, podcasts. If I'm listening to the radio, it's uh, kind of terrestrial music stations and that's no knock on anybody like I I love almost everybody who does sports radio here in the city Uh, there are very few exceptions uh, and I know they all do great jobs but it's if there's something that I need to know I feel like I get alerted to it like case in point uh, a couple of weeks ago when Jay Scrub went on Mark Ennis's show on 93.9 everybody was tweeting about that and then Lucas Allback wrote the story with, with his comments so I feel like I get to catch up there but I just yeah it's local sports radio sports radio in general is is never really been my thing which is kind of 
ironic since I got into it, but uh, there you go. Um, let's see here. My guy LJ the Fiasco says, at what age do you sit your daughter down and explain the no jumping in the kiddie pool policy? That whole thing that I started doing on, I mean, I've been doing that for like 10 years. Uh, I need some new material, but it was all a product of when I was in college. I have no idea if kids even do this anymore. So I, I that, that joke probably only it doesn't hit with anybody anymore. But when I was at Dayton and then when I would go visit friends at like Kentucky or, you know, my Ohio or wherever, in the student neighborhoods during the summer months or during the, the late spring months when school was about to let out in April, May, this time of the year, kids would always have like baby pools filled up and you would just sit around in lawn chairs, sticking your feet in the baby pool and you drink on, on your front lawn or in your backyard or, or where have you. And invariably, some drunk person, usually a, a fat dude, would think it was, would get way too drunk and think it was hilarious to belly flop in the kiddie pool. And like some people would laugh and people would, you know, take videos and it just, it, it was just kind of annoying after a while. Like after the first 50 times you've seen it, it's not funny anymore. And you're just kind of ruining the overall flow of the party. So don't jump in the kiddie pool. If they're still doing this in college and you're getting ready to go back to college at some point, just, just, just don't jump in the kiddie pool. Um, let's see here. <laughs> My guy Coop at Ono Coop. If I die of the Cronus, how will you remember me as an asshole? No problem. That's, that's a very, very easy answer. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Jamar on uh, Twitter says, was Gorgie Zhang better than Clifford Rogier? That's a good one. I think, I mean, Clifford Rogier was a consensus first team All-American. He was up until Russ Smith in 2014. He was our most recent consensus first team All-American. I still feel like Gorgie, I'll give Gorgie the nod because I feel like he played a bigger part on better teams. And with Cliff, as good as he was, it always kind of felt like, I don't know. It always kind of felt like there should be more there. And with Gorgie, you knew you were getting everything out of impossible uh, that was possible. Gorgie also gets the nod for having a, a more lengthy and more successful NBA career. Of course, Clifford had some uh, some demons that that rose up, and unfortunately, his story very very sad. But Gorgie, definitely the opposite there. He's done great stuff. He's done great work in in Senegal, uh, going back home. Love Gorgie. I, I'm gonna have to go with Gorgie. Let's see here. Um, Danimal says, if Joe Exotic was really the Tiger King, wouldn't Carol Baskin have been eaten by tigers already? Good question. I also, I jokingly threw out the idea of like a 5,000 word story comparing Carol Baskin to Katina Powell. Just sort of, you know, getting painted with maybe a too friendly brush by the media, but being really evil behind the scenes. I think there's something there. Um, people were saying, well, then who is, uh, who's Joe Exotic? Who's, we, we don't need to do that. Like, like we've done, we can have a whole 2007-esque sports blog post on Rick Pitino's Joe Exotic, Chris Mack is, is so-and-so and all this. Maybe we could do that if we get really, really bored in July. But up until then, eh, I don't know. We'll see. Um, guy who misses Applebee's says, what's your all-time Louisville bat starting lineup? All I know is Brooks Kieschnick's in there somewhere. Brooks Kieschnick was the classic tweener baseball player, and I will love him forever. He hit in my and this is probably wrong, but in my mind growing up, he hit like 410 in AAA, and every time they called him up to the Reds, he hit like 112. Like just could not was it brilliant in the minor leagues, could not hit anything in the major leagues. He's in there. Uh, I don't know who else would be in there. I love that Wave Three, by the way, is broadcasting old bats games during this month, and I think actually tonight I'm recording this Thursday afternoon. Tonight they're going to have the very first game at Slugger Field, and fun trivia. My guy Greg Galliette always brought this up whenever he came on the radio show. 
Very first run scored in the history of Slugger Field, Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders. That's pretty cool. Uh, Corey Miller, ideal starting five for next year. Um, I think we just kind of we, we touched on that. I think if you have, again, I mean, I just get excited thinking about it. David Johnson, Carly Jones, Samuel Williamson, Jay Scrub, Malik Williams. We're good to go. Like, that's, uh, that's a fantastic starting five. Um, let's see here. <laughs> so I'm going to have to ask for more questions because I, I don't, I never look past the first one or two. And then I realize that you guys have all submitted a lot of inappropriate stuff, which I appreciate, but I can't really do it. Uh, let's see. Nico Craig, who slams harder Onyx or Vince Carter? Vince Carter. Give me that. I also, I, it's, I, I'm find myself getting excited about this horse challenge, which is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I, I'm desperate for live sports. I can only watch so many horse races on Gulfstream via the twin spires app. I just, uh, I need something. Um, people are talking about, uh, let's see here. Bobby says we can talk more football. I would love to talk more football. There's not anything to really talk about now. I love the Mikhail Cunningham videos. I love the Scott Satterfield updates. The only thing that's really worthy of discussion right now is Makai Becton in the NFL draft. And I know he's projected to be a top 10 pick and maybe we can cover that a little bit more, uh, next podcast, but there's just, there's no real developments. We're offering a bunch of kids, um, recruiting wise, that's fun to follow, but how much can you really dive into that? That's not really my area of expertise. Um, so there's just there's not really much going on on that front or the baseball front or the, the, the women's basketball front, really, outside of the news last week that we touched upon briefly with Dana Evans returning. It's just kind of been men's basketball transfer stuff and then whatever bullshit you can, <laughs> you, you can keep yourself happy with. So here's the deal with the uh, – I'll mention it one more time. I'll play the audio, the quick audio clip of me almost dying and trying to fight through a cough from the last podcast. If we get three new reviews um, on the uh, the podcast app of the Card Chronicle pod, if you haven't subscribed yet, please give us a subscribe. Please hit us with a five-star rating if you can, and then leave those reviews, and we'll play that audio next time. I promise we're going to get back into a regular flow where we've got uh, you know me actually talking to somebody else and being able to bounce stuff off one another and a couple of guests. The, the one other thing that I want to do, and let me know which game you'd like to do this first. I, I'm I've mentioned this before, but I'd love to do at least a couple of episodes uh, in the next few months where all of us collectively go and watch a former Louisville game. And then we have a guest on here and he and I, or she and I discuss that game and kind of break down the funny aspects of it, how stuff that maybe we misremembered, because it is always interesting watching game, even as recently as 2013, like the final four in the national title games, there's stuff that just, I totally misremembered. Like I, this, I thought this happened at this certain time. And I was completely wrong about it. And I can't imagine how wrong I would be about stuff from like the 0-2 Florida State game or the you know the 2006 Miami game. So tweet me or you can actually leave it in your review on the podcast app. Let me know what game you'd like to have us all collectively watch and then do a sort of rewatchables-esque podcast episode where we talk about that. That'll be the next uh, podcast app that we do unless we get some big news between then and now. Until then and now, stay home, stay safe. Thanks so much for listening. Go Cards.